Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. I'm joined this week by Jake McGee. Jake, how are you doing, pal? I'm not too bad myself, so how are you? I'm all right, actually. I am. I, I'm pretty good. The, the the weather, for anyone who doesn't know, here in the Outer Hebrides, we are not built for warm weather. And it's been sort of what, Jake, the 20s? It's been in the 20s for a couple of weeks Mid-20s, now. Mid-20s, yeah. For at least a fortnight, maybe it's three weeks, and it's just, we're not built for it. We live in brick houses, we don't have air conditioning, It's it, it gets to a point where after a couple of weeks you're going, just one day, one day of a little bit cooler, because there's no way to cool down. It's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty rough sometimes. I personally like it warm, but it gets a bit too warm. The dog, she hates it. She's just a poopy Einstein. She, can, she can't stand it. She's sitting there panting away. Um, but, you know, I complain when it's cold. I complain when it's hot. It's what we do, Jake. We, we just complain. It's in our nature. Don't you agree? It's in your nature, yeah. <laughs> I agree. You're so cheeky. Ah, yeah, right. <clears throat> so, Jake, today we've got the AFC North deep dive we've also got of course random stats to take care of as well um if we've got time depending on our constraints last week i was going to do a draft day fail i didn't have time to do a draft day fail we might do one for a time but it's not a worry these these deep dives because we do we like to go in depth and when we go in depth sometimes it it takes up a little bit more time than normal and also Sometimes we veer off in slight tangents this way and that way. It, it happens, but you know that's that's what that's what the, the the public want. So I think I think the public want that. Um, but we're going to start straight away. Uh, well, there wasn't any news this week, was there? Nothing happened in the mm. league, did it? Very little, very little news. There was two signings of note that I could see. Uh, Rams picking up uh, a familiar face in Sony Michelle. And the book signing Rodrigo Blankenship. Oh, the kicker. The, the kicker. Yeah, kicker. Um, that, that's, you know, it's a slow news week when we're covering a, a kicker being picked up. No offence to, to my kicker friends out there, but slow news week. But there was a particular funny story. Well, not funny, but ironic, I would say. Patriots uh, cornerback Jack Jones was arrested for having two guns in his luggage. Now... It's not particularly funny, but the, the irony in it is just a month ago, the same Jack Jones tweeted at Jar Morant, the NBA player who's had his own issues with guns and mm-hmm. putting out a certain image. He, he tweeted at him directly, dumb, you letting social media and your pride ruin your real money. Put them guns down and run that money up. Make one of your homies sign up for security or concealed carry if you feel like you need it that bad. But you, the breadwinner, you got to start acting like it. He tweeted that word for word because those are not my words. And then he got caught with two guns. Yeah. So that's an interesting. You know, if you're going to talk to talk, you better not walk the walk. Because <laughs> that's. Uh, that's like a, a parent thing. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit karmic, isn't it? Good grief! Yeah, oh, Lord, like behave yourself. Just stop it with the guns. 
It's ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> right. And, 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 and that's a whole other topic. Before we get on that, let's move on. Let's not absolutely. Let's <laughs> not talk about that. Right. Let's move very swiftly on. Jake, uh, last week we were discussing the AFC East deep dive, and we had our good friend uh, Andrew McCaskill on, big Dolphins fan, talking about the AFC East. Um, this week, keeping it alphabetical, uh, we're going to be doing the AFC North. Consisting, of course, of the Cincinnati Bengals, Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Cleveland Browns. And we're going to start, Jake, with the Cincinnati Bengals. They ended last season 12-4. and Now, as we mentioned last week, the Buffalo Bills ended up 13-3. and The reason being that the game between the two teams was cancelled. So they only played the 16 games last year. But the Bengals did win the division. They got into the playoffs. And... They got all the way through to the AFC Championship game, where they were knocked off in the AFC Championship game. They had a good year. Their points differential wasn't great. 96 across 16 games isn't great, but as I say, 12 and 4. Uh, the offense was clicking for much of the season, but the defense started off not particularly stout. But then as the season got on, that defense became better and better and better. And in the playoffs, they looked really good defensively. So we'll start with them, Jake. I want you to get your thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals. What did you make of them from last year? What are you expecting from them this year? Let's uh, just start off by saying that points differential is very interesting. That kind of reminds you of the, the Viking. Everyone talked last season about the Vikings winning close games and being involved in close games. Didn't realize the Bengals 12-4 and four was... In jeopardy with, with some of those points. Yeah, I mean, uh, but 96 terms, across... Sorry, sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to interrupt you. 96 across 16 games is not great. So it's less, easily under under 10 points a game there. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's not like they were blowing teams. As I say, particularly early on, they really weren't shutting teams down. Their defense uh, allowed quite a few points. Uh, and it although it's like... So you know how memory is a fickle thing? Well, minus, you know, I'm 45. But, so if you said to me, without looking at any of these, you know, how did the Bengals do last year? Now, I, I knew they went 12-4. and four. I'd be like, oh, yeah, no, they were good. I'm pretty sure they blew out a few opponents and that. They really didn't. I mean, they, they did play well, but it was a lot closer than, than I think a lot of people remember, yeah. Yeah, I, worked, I just did a quick math. So it works out as six points exactly, I believe, over, oh. over 16 games. So, if you're thinking of looking at the spread, and you, a lot of times you're going to see the Bengals this year, they're, they're over under a set, 11 and a half. A lot of games, their spread has got to be over six points. But history says last year it would have been uh, close. Uh, but looking forward to this season, uh, they are looking to win the AFC North for the third straight season. That would be the first time in, in franchise history they've done that. I saw a very interesting thing that they were last in dead cap. Only 619,000 against dead cap. The next team is the Chargers with 2.2. And the top team is the Bucks with 74.3 million. Yeah. So that really does show how little uh, dead cap the Bengals have, which to me is a very good sign of a well-run team. Um, or at least in a really good place right now in terms of contracts and being in the right place going forward. They're obviously going to have to pay um, Mr. Burrow... Jamar Jays, you know, a few a few people, but for the time being, they're in a, a good place, I believe. They they showed up the offensive line, bringing in Orlando Brown Jr., um, Ron Irv Smith, Sidney Jones, Shmaine Pratt. Uh, I quite like the draft pick of Miles Murphy, but they seem to lose quite a few starters, 
quite a few secondary and all to the NFC South, it feels like. Because Jesse Bates went to Atlanta, Von Bell to Carolina, uh, Hayden Hurst to Carolina, Trey Flowers to Atlanta. So everyone seems to go to the uh, NFC South, except Smarjo P. Ryan, who, who went to your Broncos. Yes. But, um, yeah, that, it, few ins and outs. They kept the, the core together, but really the things that stuck out to me, they open and close the season with the Browns. They they have a rematch of Super Bowl 56 in Week 3. Uh, in Week 10, C.J. Stroud returns to Ohio. That's interesting. Uh, they have the 17th cent, uh, strength of schedule and four primetime games. So two on Monday night, one on Sunday night, and one on Thursday night. Right, so the 17th. So the right middle of the pack for the schedule there, for the, the strength of schedule. Yeah. So, so I'm probably mention it in a few of the other teams when we're talking about, but the, the AFC North plays the NFC West and the AFC South, which is pretty good divisions to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, NFC West, you obviously have the 49ers. You have the Seahawks, who are a bit, you know, they're a playoff team from last year, uh, but I don't expect them to kind of be a, a stalwart. Yeah. And then you've got the Rams, who are in basically blow it up and rebuild mode, and the Cardinals, who... Who knows we, with the we, Cardinals? We, we've got no <laughs> idea what the Cardinals are going to be this year. None. And then, yeah, and then the AFC South again, you've got the Jags and then three other teams. Which is strange to think, because this time last year, you wouldn't have said that. None of us would. You just said it's the Titans and three other teams. Mm-hmm. But the Titans completely fell off the rails last year. And the Jaguars came came really good at the end. Now, um, you mentioned, obviously, last year with the Bengals. They started the season 0-2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and t- after five weeks, they were 2-3 and three because they, they lost um, in overtime to the Steelers in week one and they, by three points. Then they lost by three points to Dallas. Then they had wins over the Jets and the Dolphins. And then they lost by two points to the Ravens. A couple of wins over the Saints and Falcons. And then they were blown out by the Browns. They're all four losses came in the first eight weeks. And then they went to that <laughs> mad tear um, through the uh, through the rest of the season and into the playoffs uh, before they were finally unseated by the Kansas City Chiefs. But all their games are really close. There was loads of close games. I'll say, obvious exception, the, they, they got blown out by the Browns. They did beat Atlanta 35-17 and they beat Carolina 42-21. But then you had a 20-16 over the Titans, 27-24 over the Chiefs. These are close games, 22-18 over the Patriots. Very close games. And with some of the pieces that they've lost, I think it's quite difficult looking towards this year um, how they sort of got much better. Last week we were talking about the Dolphins and how the Dolphins addressed where they went wrong. Offensive line was terrible. Defense couldn't stop anyone. So they beefed up the offensive line and they beefed up the defense. Great. Looking at what Cincinnati have done this off-season, though, do you think they've done enough to to maybe address some of these problems? Because it, it does seem that, you know, they're, they're running really close to the Steelers, so they really should be beating the Steelers. No offense to Steelers fans, but the Bengals really should be beating them fairly handily. Um, and... Do you think they've done enough to sort of... I don't want to say get over the hump because, you know, they finished 12-4 and four and got to the FC Championship game. But what... I don't know. I, do you know what? I don't know what I'm saying. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I... Yeah. You know, they have got to... They're in this window, especially in such a stacked AFC. They are in this window where they are in win now. Uh, mm-hmm. Are they doing what they can 
to win now. I mean, you see teams that are desperate, and you saw what the Rams did. They were, knew they were in their Super Bowl window. Hey, here's Matthew Stafford, here's Von Miller, here's Odell Beckham Jr. We are going all in. Are the Bengals going all in? No. Um, they have addressed kind of the offensive line last year, um, and then they've made it even better this year by bringing Orlando Brown Jr. I think that was the biggest problem everybody had with the Bengals was they weren't keeping Joe Burrow upright. Mm-hmm. Uh, my main concern, having kind of a look at the ins, the outs, is the a lot of secondary turnover. I mean, Jesse Bates third was fantastic and was on a franchise tag. They didn't pay him last year and they clearly didn't have any intention of paying him this year. They let him yeah. go to Atlanta. Von Bell was good at the Saints, but was even better. The Bengals really kind of stepped up his game. I mean, Eli Apple is still unsigned, but thats I don't think that's a great miss. Um, but a lot of turnover in the secondary, which I think will be very... Something I'll be keeping an eye on anyway, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the secondary there. I, I, I don't think um, there'll be much... Like, the secondary, they did lose some pieces... But I think the way they run that defense, I don't think it's going to affect them too much. I, although I think they're going to be slightly worse. So, and and I don't know where they've significantly improved that would would overhaul um, deficiencies in losing so many players. What was it four? Was it four players still? Four defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I, two, at least, yeah, Trey Flowers and then Eli Apple's unsigned. But like I say, he's on, on the side. So three three defensive backs down from last year. That's a lot for one team to lose. I mean, it really is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Bengals. Uh, did you have any any more on them before we move on to our next team? No, not particularly. I'd like to say I think what we were both saying there, just kind of tidy up, is you've got the Chiefs, you've got you know these these teams in the AFC that are stacked and going all out. The Bengals. You know, if you said to the Bengals right now, you, you know, or a Bengals fan at least, you know, you win the AFC North next year, but you lose in the wild card, or you lose in the divisional, that's not what they're about right now. Surely their mindset is win, win all. You know, it, it has to be super. Most, you know, it, you know, it's a dumb thing to say because every team, even like the Cardinals fans this year, will be like, oh, we want to win the Super Bowl. You know, but for the Bengals, their front office should be thinking Super Bowl, and I think you raise a good point in terms of. I'm glad they've kept the core of the team. And they've improved in some areas, and have they lost an awful lot? Maybe not, but have they done everything they can to make sure you know to take them over the hump? I, I don't think they have. Yeah, I don't think so either. And I look at um, other teams that have improved and had, well, on paper have significantly improved from last year, and I just I don't see the Bengals having done that. I hope that they've done enough to stay competitive. I think that they're. they're I think they're still odds on favourite to win the division again this year. Um, but you've got Joe Burrow, you've got Jamar Chase, you've got Joe Mixon playing out of skin last season, um, you've got, you know, Tyler Boyd and, and um, T. Higgins, and there's some great players there. What I'm worried is that they're going to essentially miss that window, as you spoke about. You know, you've got people playing in their absolute prime, you're not paying a ton of money to everybody because you've got such a young team. And eventually what's going to happen is all those players are going to be up for massive contracts at, at some point. You know, some of them already have. Um, and I'm just I'm just worried they're going to miss their opportunity because two years ago they were in the Super Bowl. This is not like, you know, you mentioned the Cardinals there. Uh, but you could even look at someone like the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Pittsburgh Steelers 
makes the playoffs this year and gets the AFC Championship game and get knocked out, that's a win for them. They'll be more <laughs> than happy with that. Like, delighted. Um, if the, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if they get to the AFC Championship, they'll be delighted with that. Yes, they'd love a Super Bowl. They'll still be delighted with an AFC Championship game. The Bengals, if they don't make the Super Bowl, this is not a successful season for them. It just isn't. So um, I'm with you 100%. It's, I, just, I just hope they haven't um, missed their, their window, missed their opportunity in order to get to, to another Super Bowl quickly because what we don't want is for someone like Joe Burrow to go to a Super Bowl in a second season, how many times have we seen this, and then never get back. Mm-hmm. A lot harder than people think to get back. And I think their floor is one of the highest. You know, they're consistent. They probably will be. Their over-under is 11.5. Yeah. They probably could have another 12, 13 win season, but how high is their ceiling? Because, you know, if, like I say, I think we both kind of said that if you go 12 and 5 or 13 and 4, because um, you actually play 17 games this year yeah. and you lose in the division or the, the um, championship game, it does kind of feel like a missed opportunity, which <laughs> is a great play. You know, as a, as a sports fan of failing teams, that's a very weird thing for me to say. But, uh, you know, when your team is expected to be challenging and winning it is kind of you would get there and be like oh okay that was a bit disappointing a bit anticlimactic yeah but i mean if the saints made it to through the wild card through to the divisional round of the playoffs and got knocked out would you be disappointed with the season after what happened not the last exactly i mean it's my same with myself if the broncos get to the wild card win that sneak through the wild card get into divisional and get blown to pieces by the buffalo bills or even the cincinnati bengals that's still so much better than what's happened in years gone by that you're like, it's something to build on. Bengals shouldn't be looking at building on something. They should be looking at Super Bowl all the way. So um, let's move on, Jake, and we'll come to our mm-hmm. next team, and it is the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the Ravens last year finished at 10-7. and 7. They did uh, get a wild card spot. Um, their points differential was 35 across the whole season, 354, 315 against. Defensively, they were pretty strong. They weren't able to get all the playing time out of their big stars, particularly, as we know, Lamar Jackson. There was a few problems there last year. He was getting beaten up. Um, far too many times, uh, much in the same way that we'd said what we don't want to start happening to Josh Allen because he runs around a lot and he's a big guy. What happened to Cam Newton? We don't want that to happen to Lamar Jackson either. But it was it did seem to be catching up with him last year. He did miss some time. Um, and I don't know, if, if he comes back fully healthy with some of the, the moves that they've made, I think the Ravens could be a very dangerous team yet again this season. And we know the defense is going to be good. It's always good. Um, so what's your thoughts on the Ravens? What do you reckon? Yeah, that, that over-under sat at 9.5, so just slightly less than what they, they achieved last year. I mean, with Lamar Jackson, I think that's two years in a row where he's kind of not finished the season or had injuries towards the end of the season, which is a big concern. I mean, the biggest concern is if we had done this a month ago, is is Lamar Jackson even your quarterback? So at least That's true. we can put that to bed and they can both focus on just going forward. Um, with the Ravens, there's a few things kind of start to me. They travel uh, 25,442 miles. Doesn't mean an awful lot, but that is the sixth most. That's now, a last way. year, that's a long way. Last year, they traveled 8,244, which was the second fewest. 
So quite a difference this year in terms of distance travelled and, you know, kind of going here, then everywhere. That is kind of probably a lot to do with playing their second ever international game when they play in London. Of course. Um, So that'll be a very interesting one to kind of how they juggle that because they didn't take their bye after that. Um, They took our week 13 bye. Uh, A lot of teams, maybe more historically, took their bye straight after the international week. More more teams seem to be leaning into not necessarily doing that or it's not kind of the the given that that happens now um the ravens decided not to so they will finish against whoever they're playing in london the, it escapes me um and then they'll just travel back and, and go against london that's not the falcons is it or is that the jaguars playing the falcons? Uh, it's very i don't know why it escapes I, me i know they're playing in london i just yeah, can't remember who can't remember no idea um, <laughs> yeah, just I'm just like not I got absolutely no idea. So I mean the Ravens. So so, so last year, uh, as you already mm-hmm. mentioned, I mean they they were another team like like the Bengals. They started just hot and cold, hot and cold. In fact, they went uh, win loss, win loss, win loss for the over the first six weeks. And again, they were losing to teams that thinking back, you're like, how on earth did they lose to that team? Um, but I mean they they, they lost to the Giants. And, you know, they beat the Bengals, lost to the Giants. You're thinking, what on earth is going on there? But the, the loss to Miami, that week two loss, when they were up by, what was it, 21 points in the fourth quarter, and then and then lost to Miami. It was just, I, I still don't know how they lost that game. Obviously, it was like, you know, it was the big plays, Miami. But it, all, it just seemed like the the Ravens just stopped playing and I, I've never seen that before from a from a hardball team. Where it, it looked almost as like, oh well, you know, this comeback's inevitable. I was like, what on earth is going on here? But they never got consistent. And when Jackson did go to how many games did he miss at the end? There was a three games he missed at the end. There's a few anyway. Four games. Made a big difference. Big, huge difference. Um, you know, again, they lost to Pittsburgh in week 17. They're 16 to 13. They, they were getting nothing done. 13 to 3 to the Cleveland Browns uh, in December there in week 15. it's just It just didn't look like the Ravens we've seen over the past couple of years with Lamar Jackson. But if he's not there, it's, n- it's not going to work. It's just not. The offense wasn't able to get much done. As I say, the defense was pretty strong. They didn't allow too many points with the obvious exception of that, that game to Miami. As I said, 42, 42 points they allowed in that Week 2 game. Uh, that was by far and away the most they allowed all year. In fact, um, they didn't allow more than 28 at any point in the season after that. But the offense, I mean, just, just the last few weeks for the offense, uh, Week 13 onwards, 10 points, 16 points, 3 points, 17 points, 13 points, 16 points. That's not going to get it done. Particularly, as you've already mentioned, the stacked AFC, you need to score points because you can bet your bottom dollar if you're going up against Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City and Cincinnati, as we were already mentioned, they're going to score points in you. Some of the other teams, you know, like San Diego, Jacksonville, they're going to score points. You can't stop these teams. Sorry? San Diego? Who who, who plays in San Diego? San Diego, score points. Do you know? Who plays in San Diego? Who plays in San Diego? Oh, do you know what I mean? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Los uh, Angeles. Just, we're waiting for the light bulb. Los a- Shut up. The LA Chargers. <laughs> you, you're a horrible man, Jake. 
A horrible, horrible. Uh, anyway, let's say you're a little bit. There. Listen, I, I listen. I keep seeing the Washington Redskins, and I want to keep seeing the San Diego Chargers. It took it took me years not to see the Phoenix Cardinals when they became Arizona again. <laughs> I was like, I kept calling them the, the Phoenix Baltimore Colts, the Baltimore Colts. You know, the St. Louis Rams, and then the LA Rams. No, oh, LA Rams, St. Louis Rams, LA Rams. Don't get me started on the Raiders. <laughs> That's a like, whole different thing. They've been everywhere. Um, so yeah. Anyway, as I, what was I saying? See, yeah, I completely lost my train of thought there. What was I saying? We were talking about how stacked the AFC are, and that yeah. San Diego are score points. Yes, and then you were going on, oh, yeah, San Diego, because you, yeah, you made me look stupid. And I don't appreciate that. Anyway, point is, you need to score points because you're, it's good that your defense is good and it's holding teams to you know certain teams to lower uh, output. But you have to be able to score points. You cannot rely on your defense to win games if you're only scoring 13, 16, 17 points a game. It's not good enough. Um, so, I don't know, this Ravens team... What do you make of that, 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 that off-season acquisitions? Um, do you reckon they've done enough to bolster that team? Um, hopefully to keep Lamar upright for the rest of the season. I mean, what do you, what do you think of this? They lost guard Ben Powers to the to the Broncos. They lost tight end Josh Oliver. They lost Calais Campbell, a big body. They brought in some interesting name, Rocky Sin, Nelson Aguilar, Josh mm-hmm. Johnson, everyone's favourite. And then I think the big one is they finally got Lamar Jackson what he needs and some help in terms of a wide receiver. They got OBJ. Yeah. And, you know, we've not seen him since the Super Bowl where he was pretty much on track for Super Bowl MVP until he just did his knee in again. So you can't, you don't know what you're getting. Hopefully, we're getting for for Lamar Jackson's sake and for the league's sake. Hopefully, we are getting prime OBJ because you pair him up with Lamar Jackson, and there's going to be fireworks. Um, they brought in say Flowers as their first round pick as well, so they really have kind of put to bed this. Lamar Jackson doesn't have any wide receivers. They've, I'm hoping that was part of the negotiations. Lamar going, okay, I've been MVP. On, you know, the cornerstone of this franchise, and I've been throwing to you know Jim, Bob, and and Tony over there. So I'm glad they have addressed that side. Um, but but I, I do worry about losing someone like Ben Powers and and not repl- you know that's a guard. You, you need a guard when you're in a, a running team and a running first team. Yeah, I mean they they have added receivers for Lamar. We need to see what difference it makes. Because obviously his favourite target is talking with Mark Andrews. We know that. Mm-hmm. He's getting 40 targets a game. That, and, that, and that's fine because no one's been able to stop it. So I've got no issues with that. Bringing in OBJ, you're absolutely right. That's Super Bowl. He looked fantastic in that sort of, what was it, quarter and a half that he played in that game? Yeah. And he really did look at pretty much unstoppable. And I thought, this guy's going to tear away with it. Uh, and then his, his knee just gave out. Just running. He was just running and his knee totally gave out on him um, on the turf there, which is another reason that the NFL should just get rid of all turf and go back to grass for everyone. Listening. Roger Goodell, are you listening? Ban it. Just make everyone play on grass. I don't know why we even discuss this. Anyway, sorry, Jake. Going off topic again. I do apologize. Yeah, so bringing in uh, the receivers and then drafting flowers, as you say, um, do you think it is Harbaugh going? Right, you've got you've got not so much Harbaugh, but just essentially people saying, "What right, you've got no more excuses," because maybe Lamar is the one. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's the one saying, uh, "If I sign my contract, I want 
two big name wide receivers. I want a big name wide receiver. I want us to draft a wide receiver. And he, there you go. You've got it. Go out. Take us back to the playoffs. Hopefully a Super Bowl. I, I think it'll be very, very interesting. Kind of, you know, say, oh, I don't know what his health is like, but say Odo Belcom Jr. Week one is great to go. Happiest Larry. If weeks by week six he's got, you know, 14 catches, 250 yards, and a touchdown, it's not going to be a happy family. He's not going to be a team player in the sense of he's not going to be happy like some of the other Ravens wide receivers of the past have said, okay, I'm probably going to get two catches this game, but Mark Andrews is going to get eight and we're going to win the game. I can live with that. OBJ is not going to be happy to get two catches a game and win a game. Oh, it's, these, these big name wide receivers are divas. We all know that. Exactly. You know, we all know that. And just throw the rattle out of the pram and, oh, woe is me. I only got 12 targets this week. Shut up. Behave yourself. You, you, got, you get paid, you know, $20 million or whatever it is you're getting paid to, to run around. And if, if, you don't, if you don't catch a pass this particular game and you win the game, what is the matter? Do you know what? I'm going to tell you a story, Jake. We store a slight, slight tangent. But it, is, it, is, it has got to do with what we're talking about. So, Rod Smith, the great Rod Smith, one of the greatest undrafted players in the history of the NFL, uh, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, two-time Super Bowl champion, over 10,000 yards receiving, should be in the Hall of Fame. Don't care what anyone says. He deserves to be in there. Um, he, his favourite game that he played in, like his all-time favourite game, was Super Bowl 31. Two, one, two. The one against the Packers. That was his favourite game of all time. 32. He did not have a single catch in that game. He blocked for Terrell Davis the entire game. Never made one catch. And that was his favourite game. And he came out and said that. That's the best game of my career. Never forget it. It was the best. That's what you want. That's the attitude that you want. I'm hearing rumblings again in Buffalo. <laughs> Stefan Diggs. That the reason he's not happy is because he doesn't like the way he's being used in games. Are, are you kidding me? You, you got, I don't know how many passes thrown at him last year. It was relentless. But apparently, again, this is stuff I was hearing on NFL.com uh, and, and on the NFL Network in that um, there was people talking about how the problem was that they were, Buffalo were targeting Stefan Diggs too much. Other teams were keying off this and hurt the, the offense. So they're talking about, you know, more integrating other players more. And Stefan Diggs doesn't like that. He wants his targets. And then you think, even if the team loses, all you want is your targets and stats. Now, I don't know how much of that is true. As I say, secondhand information. But the guys over at NFL Network generally know what they're talking about. Maybe not as much as us in the NFL show. Of course, Jake. We know more than everyone. I mean, that's that's a fact for anyone listening or watching on YouTube. We know more than anyone. Um, so yeah, these these wide receivers are divas. That that's all they are. I mean, it's great to have them, but still divas. Do you agree or disagree? Uh, I agree, and it's not really a surprise that Stefan Diggs, who cried his way out of Minnesota, is now basically going to try and cry his way out of Buffalo, possibly. It's, it's so, it's a, if, if anyone in Buffalo, in their front office, is going, oh, this isn't fair, well, you kind of knew what you signed. You know, don't, you know, don't sign a crybaby and then be surprised when he's a crybaby. <laughs> 
I'll bring it back to the Ravens. I'll I'll, I'll bring it back to the Ravens. Uh, four of their first six are on the road, uh, and they finish with three games in December versus playoff teams. I think three straight games. They play the Jags, the 49ers, and the Dolphins. So I kind of covered this last year when we did the deep dives. They have the 21st strength of schedule, but there are different ways to judge a schedule. You can have uh, an easy schedule and have hard parts, and you can have a hard schedule and easy parts. Um, so it really is how do these you know away games, you know how do the games against the big boys kind of stack up? And, and four of the first six on the road is not ideal. That, that's, that's rough in anyone's book. Yep, so that is it's incredibly rough. Obviously, it means they'll have more home games at some point, but you don't want to start off on the road a lot, and then three straight games at the back end of the season against playoff teams, Jags, 49ers and the Dolphins. I mean, by that point, the 49ers will definitely have a quarterback. We, you know, Brock Purdy could even be back by then. Um, Dolphins, that's pretty to a, is still good. And Jags, I have no doubt Trevor Lawrence will be fine. So, that you know, if you get the Dolphins in week one, or, well, the 49ers in week one, it's different than getting the 49ers in, in week 13, week 14. So... It is. say that the strength of schedule can be deceiving. Now, do you remember a few weeks ago, we did our stupid early predictions. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I asked you who was going to be the top passer this year. Mm-hmm. And you said, you said Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I did. Now, I, I am going to admit something to you, Jake. The more I've been thinking about this, and the more I look at things, the more I think you might be right. Uh-huh. Welcome. Welcome to the good side. It's because well, well I, his talent's never been in doubt for me. But I was I was going back through some of his ones from last season, and as you could almost see the what's the word I'm looking for? The 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 evolving um, evolution. The ev- that's the word. <laughs> the evolving. The evolution. From game to game, he seemed to get better and better as he just became more and more comfortable. And he's like, you know, actually, I do know what I'm doing. I am I can do this. I'm good at this. Wrote it right into the playoffs. If he starts off next season like that, or even anything close to that, by season's end, he could be absolutely clicking. He could be. Uh, they might be a very, very dangerous team towards the end of the season. So um, I think you're right. That that could be a horrendous stretch for the Ravens mm-hmm. down the road there. And uh, as you already mentioned, the 49ers, by that point, barring horrendous injuries, they will have their quarterback in place. And I think it'll be Brock Party. All board the Party hype train. <clears throat> I've got a train. By, by that point, he'll myself. definitely be back. And I think barring... Sam Darnold or Trey Lance having the season of their life. I think Brock Purdy probably comes straight back as soon as he's healthy and, and, and ready. I'm sure they won't rush him back, but yeah, that is a, a tough stretch. Uh, they they finish the season hosting the Steelers, which could be very pivotal game. I mean, I love some of these AFC North games in the past between the Steelers and the Ravens. You are nine yeah. six, you know, twelve nine, just a, a field goal off. Like, that's proper football slugfest. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what you want. Now, talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers streak, they're our next team. Pittsburgh Steelers last that. season. Seamless. That was, I mean, that was perfect, wasn't it? I mean, no, that was perfect. Pittsburgh Steelers, 9-8. Nine 9-8. and, eight. Nine and eight. But the points differential of negative 38. 
not great, but not much over the course of 17 games. So, you know, just a couple of points a game average they were losing by. Um, looking at last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they had a, a, a rough year, as we know, particularly at the beginning of the year, because they started off with, with the overtime win against Cincinnati. Um, they then proceeded to lose five in a row, sorry, four in a row, beg your pardon, then a win against Tampa Bay, then lose the next two, and then they go win-loss. I mean, they, they started pretty bad, but sort of in the way that Cincinnati did. They started off really slowly and they were really struggling to find their feet, but they started towards the end of the season. Let's not forget, I mean, forget, I should say, they finished off the season with six wins out of seven last year. They really started to come good um, and their defence was looking mighty indeed. Now, the Steelers, as we know, have always been been about the defence. That's what they are. It's, it almost seems like the entire AFC North is basically... Have a good defense, and let's see what the offense can do. That was until until uh, Lamar Jackson popped up, and then um, uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. There, Pittsburgh. I know are going to be a good team. I think going into this year, they might be slightly better than nine and eight, but I don't think much. Maybe around the ten and seven mark, because. I just don't think that they made again enough of a step forward to be able to do much better things than they did last year. And, you know, they're playing in a tough division, as we already know, along with everyone else. So I'm going to get your viewpoint on it, Jake. Pittsburgh Steelers, last year, what do you think? This year, what are you looking for? Well, last year, obviously, like you say, they're kind of finding an identity or finding their feet early on. They they started the MVP, um, and then eventually they kind of succumbed to the pressure and the correct move of, of bringing in Kenny Pickett and kind of trusting it um, to, to the young hand. This year, for one, the over-under is definitely wrong because it's 8.5 and everybody knows Mike Tomlin only has winning seasons. I mean, we practically willed it last year. Like I say, won six out of the last seven. We were like, nope, I at no point believe the Steelers will have a losing season because it's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, this is one of the teams that I think have improved. They lost some big players, Cameron Sutton to the Lions, Devin mm-hmm. Bush, Terrell Edmonds, um, but they brought in um, Larry Okunjobi, Isaac uh, Samaleo uh, from the Eagles, Patrick Peterson, Keanu Neal, Alan Robinson. Of course. The more I look at this draft, I think is probably one of the best drafts on paper. Product Drones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, Darnell Washington in like the third round, fourth round. I really like kind of what they've done um, this year. Uh, they're playing a third-place schedule for the first time since 2012, um, so that is an advantage. Um, their first home opener since 2014, which is, again, a nice thing for them to have, which seems insane that nine years... Nine years since they've had a home opener? Mm-hmm. How does that even happen? Yeah, so Steelers don't always get the, the shine. Uh, they'd have a 25th rank... Uh, strength of schedule they do have the dreaded nine away games eight home games obviously with 17 mm-hmm. so that's not ideal a week six bye also not ideal um that's for prime time games a lot of afc north prime time games we're going to see probably because a lot of them are going to be against each other uh, but they have three at home which is nice uh two on thursday night football um what else have i got for the Steelers? so eight games versus playoff teams last year which I don't know if that is good, bad, or ugly because 
you know, well, 17 there's, games. There's, so there's, only, less, four, there's only 14 uh, playoff teams in the entire yeah, league. Yeah, so they've got eight games out of their, their 17. So it's not, not ideal for them. It's probably more than most. Um, and their last three are pretty brutal. They've got at home versus the Bengals, at Seattle, at Baltimore. Not a great last three. You know, if you're at, say, at this point, you've got seven wins and you need, you know, nine, definitely nine, maybe ten to get into the to the postseason, that's not a great final three to kind of be finishing up with. It's not. Um, that's go- that's going to be tough for them. But I think, you know, if, if, if Pickett sort of can can pick up again from where they left, left off last year, um, and he's more consistent. I think they will be more consistent. They should be able to sneak some of these games. Um, you, yeah, add, you've got George Pickens, who's kind of had a breakout year and did. looking like a number one guy. And then you add Alan Robinson, who was obviously coming off pretty much a nothing year. But yeah. from all his time in, in San Diego, um, we know the kind of player Shut he is. Up. Yeah. <laughs> oh so God. if Alan Robson can can find some of that, you know, form that he, we know he has, that'll make a massive difference. I mean, they kind of are rolling back the clock on something. You know, Patrick Peterson, if he can, yeah, add, you know, if he can make up for the loss of Cameron Sutton, the, the Steelers would be more than happy with that. And like I say, I like some of the moves they made. I love their draft, and I just will remain until proven otherwise. Remain believing that the, the Steelers will have at least a winning season. Oh, they will have a winning season. We know this. That's It's going to happen. For as long as Mike Tomlin's there, they're going to have a winning season. Right, uh, that brings us to the final team in our uh, AFC North deep dive. And it is, of course, the Cleveland Browns. Last year, the Browns went 7-10. and 10, uh, Points differential of minus 20. So actually less than the, uh, sorry, a better points differential than, than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, only 20-point differential across 17 games. 7-10, uh, and 10, as I said. And last year, it's, it's difficult to know what to make of the Cleveland Browns because obviously last year there was a whole Deshaun Watson saga. Uh, he missed the first 11 games. Um, in those 11 games, they won just two uh, uh, sorry they, they, won, they won three of those 11 games he then comes back in against the Texans and they literally went three and three for the remainder and and you think to yourself they gave a lot of money for Deshaun Watson to go 500 as the Americans call it um, and then you look at this off season and you think Kareem Hunt's gone well, he is. He's a free agent. He's, 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 yeah, he's same. Gone. The commanders are linked up with him with with a reunion with Eric Bieniemy, which would be oh, very interesting. That would be very interesting. Um, and I said last week, I don't think Nick Chubb will be as effective this year without Kareem Hunt because one of the reasons Nick Chubb was so effective is because he was kept fresh, because he's not in on every single play. But if you don't have a backup who's a, a good quality second, I'm, I'm saying backup. Let's be honest here. Kareem Hunt was a backup. One-two punch. It, yeah, it is the one-two punch. Nick Chubb's number one. Kareem Hunt was number two. But he was a very good number two. With him being gone, I don't know if, I honestly don't think Nick Chubb will be as effective. It remains to see what Deshaun Watson is going to be. 
we, I just I need to see that before before I I, I say anything else about um, how well he's going to be able to play. I have no idea. Um, Jake, I'll, I'll put it to you. I mean, last year was a, pretty much a washout for the Browns through their own doing. Let's not kid ourselves on here. Um, this year, what do you think? What What do you reckon might happen with the Browns this season? Like I said, it's, it's, it's last season is kind of a, a, a write-off. Um, just from what I hadn't played for like two, three years at that point, just with obviously everything going off. So I, I think everyone expected rust. Um, not quite to the level that we saw. A lot of people thought maybe, you know, get that first game, okay, fair enough, but he'll step up. And never really, even the games they won, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is Deshaun Watson. You know. No. So this year, again, they will be a team definitely interesting to watch to see... Is that Deshaun Watson, or are we going to get pre Deshaun Watson? Uh, <laughs> yeah, pre Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah, pre Deshaun yeah. Deshaun Watson. Um, but their offense, even without um, Kareem Hunt, is just unbelievably stacked. They added Elijah Moore, who's mm-hmm. apparently lighting up in, in OTAs. They've got Amari Cooper, Peoples Jones, and Joku Chubb. They added Cedric Tillman in the draft. I mean, that offense is unbelievable. If you know. So Sean Watson, if he isn't playing lights out, there has to be questions asked, not just because of his character, because that offense is set up for the, me. I could throw 3,000 yards in that offense. Well, see, that's the thing. When Because uh, it was, it was um, oh Lord, Jacoby Brissett mm-hmm. last year. Jacoby Brissett played fine last year for the Browns. Yeah, played, he played as he you would played, expect Jacoby yeah, Brissett to play. Played fine. When Deshaun Watson came in, there was no difference. Yeah, it wasn't notable. There was the it really, really wasn't. It was no noticeable difference in the the, the way the Browns were playing. Um, you you didn't sense that. You know, like sometimes when it, when another player comes in, it's almost like a change mm-hmm. of atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? And it, it, you think, oh, the, the teams, it's just different somehow. There was nothing from the Browns when Sean Watson came in. No difference. That that first game he played against the Texans, he looked awful. I mean, there was that in, that first interception he threw in the end zone was just horrendous. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make it. They, they, they've got loads of talent. You're right. They should, on paper, they should have a winning record this year. I don't know if they will. I, yeah. I just, the over-under set at, at nine and a half, so they kind of do expect them to be there or thereabouts in terms of 500, which again is pretty underwhelmed. When you spend that much money and that much capital on a quarterback, you want to be contending. And obviously, say that offense, it's it's not like they uh, a bad team has has t- taken a quarterback or had to change their, their look overnight. But this Browns was a good team. They were a playoff team. It's not you know so many times you see a number one pick or a team kind of sell out. And then they try and build a team around that person. Yeah. Deshaun Watson inherited a good team. You know, that offense is set up. They Again, their turnover, from what I could see, it wasn't particularly good or bad. Jacoby Brissett out, Chase Winovich, Greedy Williams, Jesse James. They brought in Juan Thornhill, Ogbonna, Okoronkwu, and, and Dalvin Tomlinson. Nothing that kind of blows your mind. So nothing kind of speaks to me unless we all of a sudden get, you know, Deshaun Watson playing a few games, getting a full off season without as much drama and and interest. 
will he have a better season? You would certainly hope so for for the Browns' sake. But I, I don't see them kind of threatening the Bengals. You know, they might get eight, nine wins, but at me personally, I don't. I don't see them threatening even with such a, such a stacked offense. I don't know how you feel about them kind of I, stacking up, even in the AFC North, not even the AFC, just the AFC North. Um, no, I, I I don't see it because if if Deshaun Watson had come in week twelve or week thirteen when when he actually came in last year and lit it up. Then this year I'm seeing, you know, they, they could win a lot of games. They've added some pieces. Okay, as you said, they've lost Kareem Hunt, but they've got so much talent. And Nick Chubb's one of the best running backs in the entire league, and it's a good mm-hmm. offensive line. Uh, but I, I, I'm just sitting here going, I've got no idea. I have no idea what the Browns' record is going to be. Because let's not forget that in Deshaun Watson's final season in Houston, he threw for like 4,800 yards and 37 touchdowns and had like three interceptions on the year and they went 3-13. and 13. Now, I'm not comparing this team to that team. First of all, uh, Bill O'Brien's not there. I don't think, is he? No, just checking. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> no. He's the Patriots, sure. is he not? Yeah, he's one of the Patriots, that's right. Um, but, but that's... That team had a lot of talent. That Texans team. Not as much as this Browns team does. But a lot mm-hmm. of talent went 3 and 13. Because it wasn't working. The, the chemistry wasn't right. The play calling wasn't up to snuff. We look at this. I, as I say, as I've already said, I don't think Nick Chubb will be as effective this year as he was last year. And the running game was a huge part of that game last season. Huge part. They only had three games where they failed to rush for 100 yards. And in fact, in the first uh, few games of the season, in fact, I've got it here, Rush Yards, they kicked off the season 217 yards, week two, 184 yards, week three, 171, week four, 177, week uh, five, 213. I mean, that's, if you offer that to any off- offensive coordinator, they say, I'll take that. I'll bite your hand off with those rushing yards every week. You know, I don't think they're going to have that this year. So I don't know how it's going to affect the passing game. Um, I just, I don't know. They're one of those teams I, I'm finding it very, very difficult to grade what they're going to be. Um, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't particularly like the organisation. It's a very volatile organisation. They're always up and down. No one knows what they're doing. Um, no, I don't think anyone on the inside knows what they're doing. But certainly not, none of the fans know what they're doing. We'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Um, before we sort of finish this off, Jake, I do want you to give me your your your, your picks for standings. Mm-hmm. You don't need to necessarily give me records, but if you got it, great. Uh, but I want you to tell me who's going to be first, second, third, and fourth in the AFC North in 2023. I just want to finish off with the, the Browns. I think we'll know with the Browns quite early. They, they have three of their first four are all divisional games. They have a very early bye, which is week five. Um, so I think very early on we'll know what the kind of situation is with the Browns. There could be kind of changes by week five, either coaches or, you know, if they're, if they're 0-4, 0-5, they, they could be getting blown up. Uh, they have seven games against playoff teams, so one less than the Steelers. But weeks four to ten, the Browns alternate going against playoff appearances. 
So they play a playoff team, they don't. They play a playoff team, they don't. <laughs> so it's a, a very interesting kind of stretch. Uh, they have their 26th front of schedule, and they only have two primetime games, one on Sunday night and one on Thursday night. I just want to kind of finish up with the Browns. Quite right, quite right. That's what we're talking about. I jumped the gun there. I went straight into just trying to finish it off, and then you were like, whoa, hold the boat. Still got some stuff, Brown stuff to talk about. So that's why you're here, Dick. You know, you're the, you're the voice of reason. I, I just got all my notes. I would have cried if I didn't get, you know, I wrote all my notes out. Had to, had to get it in. <laughs> right. So, what's your predictions for the AFC so North? My predictions. Top and bottom. Do you, want me to go, do you want me to tell you mine first or do you want to go first? You you go for it. You, you lead. Okay, so um, I've got the Bengals winning again, the top in the division. Um, I've got them winning this one with a 12 and 5 record because I'm just not sure. But I've got the Ravens also at 12-5. and five. Ooh. I do. I've got the Bengals winning the tie break, but I've got the Ravens at 12-5. and five. I've got the Steelers at 9-8. and eight. I think they repeat what they did last year. I'm, just, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but I, they're not going to have a losing season. The Browns, I've got at 8-9, and nine, but that could change dramatically because, as I already said, I don't know how to pick them. But I think it's still going to be a fairly closely fought division. Um, and it's entirely possible that uh, the, the, the Ravens and Bengals switch. The Ravens could wind up one of this. They might be sneaky dark horses in the AFC. I know it sounds stupid to say because it's got Lamar Jackson, it's got uh, OBJ and you know Mark Andrews, all those players and that. But I don't think many people are picking the Ravens to sort of, you know, go all the way to the AFC Championship, let alone a Super Bowl. I think the Ravens could be a very, very sneaky dark horse there. So I'm going Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Browns. Uh, pretty much carbon copy of last year, actually. Uh, yeah. what, what about yourself? I just want to pick up on, you said that it sounds ridiculous that the Ravens, you know, one of these big teams that have been great for, for many years with a MVP at quarterback or a dark horse, but you're absolutely right. And, Again, sorry to our loyal listeners, but not to sound like a broken record, the Ravens, if they were in the NFC, would be one of the favourites, if not the favourites. And yet in the AFC, they're some people's probably seventh, eighth, ninth yeah. choice. It's it's insane. But I, I think for the AFC North, I, I struggle to kind of see any difference to yourself. I I do think it could be a carbon copy in terms of the the, the way it's ranked. Bengals winning it, I'd give them thirteen wins. Uh, Ravens, I think, maybe slightly improving at 11. I, I do think they'll either get a wild card or they'll be in the playoffs. Um, if they get a wild card win, a divisional win, I think that kind of is their, their, their ceiling. Uh, the Steelers, obviously, are going to get at least nine wins because they cannot have a losing season. And the Browns, say that they're over under is at nine and a half, so they're, they're expected to improve, but by how much? And the AFC is stacked. Some, you know, not everybody. We we said this last year with the AFC West. Not everybody can go thirteen and and four. There has to be a team that goes you know six and eleven, uh, and this is the Cleveland Browns this year. And there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. It's it's a tough. It's mm-hmm. such a tough could division. Could be absolutely wrong. We we could be. We could be. But as we've already mentioned, we're probably not because we we know pretty much. We are pretty well. Actually, flawless. Nobody's going to spend the time to go through our episodes and prove us wrong. Exactly. So I don't think I've ever been wrong. 
Uh, you know, I don't think I have either, actually. I think between, between the two of us, we've always been right in all of our predictions. And we know geography. <laughs> Carson Wentz, uh, Pro Bowl <coughs> last year. Uh, geography. So I know where San Diego is, right? <laughs> I just I just forgot that there wasn't a team there. Pretty close for Los Angeles. Hey, listen. Hey, 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 listen. Listen, it's close to Los Angeles. And as I said previously, San Francisco 49ers don't play in San Francisco. So there you are. What are you going to do? They play in Santa Clara. It's a different place. Um, what are you going to do? Anyway, anyway. So, uh, Jake, moving on, we come to our final-ish segment. We call it the final segment. And <laughs> here's, of course... Random stats. Random stats. Now, I will go first with random stats, Jake, because uh, last night, which was uh, Tuesday, the Scotland national team were playing a game of football against the Georgia national team in the qualifiers for the, the Euros, Euro 2024 in Germany. Right? Were you aware of this? I was aware of this. Scotland ended up winning the game 2 nothing. They have now won four out of four, and I am, for one, I'm delighted. Now, that game was delayed because of weather. It was delayed for about 90 minutes, I believe. It was a long time. So it sort of kicked off. <laughs> that, 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 like 15 minutes. Off. 15 minutes, and then it's like, uh, it was delayed for about an, an hour and a half or something like that. And it got me thinking, what's the longest game in the NFL by actual time? Not the longest amount of played because everyone knows that very famous Miami Dolphins San Diego Chargers game. Remember those San Diego Chargers that went into like double overtime or whatever it was. But that's not the longest uh, the, the longest game by actual time because of delays. It was another Dolphins game. And it was actually against the t- the Tennessee Titans on November seventeenth, twenty thirteen, and it was delayed. Due to lightning. The first lightning delay occurred with 1 minute 11 left in the second quarter. That lasted for 1 hour and 57 minutes. The second delay occurred with 6.47 to go in the third quarter. That delay lasted for 2 hours and 2 minutes. The fans who went to that game, and you know, turned up, probably tailgating a couple of hours beforehand maybe even three or four hours beforehand, having all that stuff, pre-game enjoyments, to see their team, ended up sitting down for the stadium, the game kicks off, and their entire evening lasted seven hours and eight minutes. And that is my random stat. It's the longest in NFL history. I think that ended any marriages. Oh, don't worry, love. I'm just nipping out to, to the game. It'll, I'll, well, even in America, but like, I'll only be, you know, three, four hours. And then, like, seven hours later, she'll be like, Why aren't you home? You're definitely cheating on me. No, no, I'm still at the stadium. <laughs> I think a defensive end, Cameron Wake, had said, We run out of snacks in the locker room. <laughs> it was like they were sitting there That's for so a long. That's first world problem. Sitting there, so they were just like, Oh, we run out. No more snacks to eat. You know? Uh, but yeah, that's that's the longest in, in the history of the NFL. There's never been a game at, in length of time longer than that. Seven hours and eight minutes after kickoff, the clock went to zeros. There you go. There we go. A very interesting one. And quite apt, like I say, with the, the Scotland game last night. And yes. There was 
there was a pitch inspection at like nine, then there was a pitch inspection at nine fifteen, and then even then it didn't start. Till like, it was looking dodgy, but they they got the game back underway and and they got the the, the result. And I think Georgia fans and Georgia players may may be complaining, but I think Scotland were always going to win that game with the form they're on and kind of the team they have at the moment. Yeah, they're actually looking very good, very good indeed. So. My uh, random stat has absolutely nothing to do with current events. Um, I tried to link it somewhat to the AFC, and we've spoken a lot about how stacked the AFC is, and we've spoken a lot in um past about you know Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs being just this this juggernaut. But during the 2014 NFL season, the Chiefs produced a nine and seven record in the second year of both general manager John Dorsey and head coach Andy Reid. They are both still in with the, the team. Um, but while a second place finish in the AFC West was a solid result for that year, there was a, a very surprising part of that. They had Alex Smith still at the helm. They had a healthy running back in Jamal Charles. They, they had Travis Kelsey. Uh, and a formidable offensive attack that also featured Dwayne Bowe, um, Albert Wilson and Donny Avery as the three receivers that recorded the most yardage that year. While that is a very uninspiring cast of receivers, the fact that all of the offensive touchdowns that were scored did not come through the air on a catch by a receiver is pretty astounding. Uh, there was 18 receiving scores during the season. Nine of them went to Kelsey or the other tight end, Anthony Fasano, and the other nine being split between Jamal Charles, the late Joe McKnight, uh, Niall Davis, and even fullback Anthony Sherman got in on the act in terms of through the air. So with none of their receivers hauling in a TD at all that season, the Chiefs were quite happy when they were able to get over that hump the following season on the back of free agent signing Jeremy Macklin, who hauled in the first receiver court touchdown in 2015. But not until week three, so they still went another two weeks without a wide receiver catching a touchdown. Macklin went on to lead the Chiefs in receiving touchdowns that year with eight which doesn't sound a lot, but it's a, a far cry from zero the year before. That's crazy. I, I, I'm sure I'd heard that before about, about like the season, but it went to week three mm-hmm. the following season. Yeah, before. when they said, I, it carried on, and it was like, oh, and then they signed Jeremy Lacken, and it was fixed. I was like, oh, cool. And it's like, in week three, I was like, so they still went another two weeks where they must have been just crying. If I was... John Dorsey and Reed must have just been thinking, like, I'm going to have to draw up, like, Every player is going to wide receiver. We we have to put an end to this. Sure, I mean you'd think you'd do that after week eight of the previous season. But like, right, if we get in the red zone, you're doing nothing but throwing to a wide receiver. That's all you're doing. Even if we do flea, flea flickers and weird gadget plays, make sure the wide receivers on the end of this. That's that's a horrible stat to be in the end of. Can't believe I went to week three of the fall. I wonder if the, if the, if anyone had caught one in the last week of the previous season. I wonder how long that streak actually yeah, was. What the actual full extent of it was. You know, did it go from week 15 all the way to week three, two years later? That's absolutely um, Andy Reid is kind of the sicko that I imagine. He, it was probably brought to his attention in week 10. He was like, ah, cool. I'm going to throw a touchdown to Anthony Sherman instead. Like, I, I could totally see Andy Reid being like, nah, that doesn't bother me. In fact, I'm going to do even more. To, to get away from that. Do you know what? Just to show the, the ridiculous kind of yeah. play caller I am. Andy Reid d- does come across as the kind of guy who's just like, I don't care. Yeah. Don't care. You know, it's, it doesn't matter to me. See, as long as we're winning games, I don't care. 
<laughs> yeah, guess what? I had a winning season and I didn't yeah. have a wide receiver. As, as, hey, Lamar Jackson, it's not that hard. Yeah, as, as uh, Bill Parcells used to say, uh, don't tell me about the labor, show me the baby. You know, it's all about the result. Nothing else matters. Um, of course, if... Oh, if, if tell if, it to if, his wife. Well, I don't know. I think he said this to a reporter, not to his wife. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I don't think... I don't, I don't even know if Bill Parcells has any kids, but if he does... I'm sure he did not say that to his wife at any point. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh no, Bill, I'm going into the hospital. Don't tell me about it, just show me when the kid's born. <laughs> what? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, nice one, Jake. That's a good random stat. It's, it's, it's such a ridiculous random stat, though. That doesn't make any I, sense. I, I, do have to say, I, f- I feel like I've definitely brought it up before, that kind of season... And the Chiefs not having a wide receiver, but I don't think I've gone fully in depth. And like I say, I, even I hadn't kind of clocked until I, I looked into it that, yeah, we went to week three the next year. It's not like they, week one, they said, okay, we're going to put this to the bed. It still went on for a couple of weeks. See, that's a kind of stat that if you told me it was from 1942, I can believe you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not 2014. And Alex Smith was <laughs> a really... 2014 Andy Reid team. I know. And Alex Smith was a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's not like he, you know, he couldn't throw the ball. It's not like he had a noodle arm or anything like that. Alex Smith was a very good quarterback and a very successful quarterback for years. That's just, it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. <laughs> it's just a weird one. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Jake. Do you know what? We've got a little bit of time left. Okay. But we don't have time. I I, I was going to do a draft day fail last week. We're going to, I don't have time for it this week either because... It would go on and on and on and on because it was a really long one. But I am going to tell you a wee story because when I was looking at this draft, I feel I came across a wee story and I love it. It's only going to take a few minutes. I think you're going to love it too. And I think everyone listening to this is going to love this um, because it does have to do with draft trades and it's got to do with the, the 1975 NFL draft. Okay, because in that draft, usually when we talk about... Um, for example, the draft day fails. It's about a team that made a trade, um, and it was it was horrendous. It just it worked out so badly. You know, they traded up to get up, and it was the worst thing of all time. Or you talk about um, a, a team that had drafted a guy, and it was it was awful. This is not that. It's not a draft day fail. It's just a wee story that I came across, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. In the nineteen seventy five draft, the Kansas City Chiefs traded up with the Houston Oilers for the number six overall draft. Okay? That's, sorry, sorry. The, the Oilers traded up uh, to get it from the Chiefs. Now, for that, they got um, the... For that, the Chiefs received the, the third rounder in 1976, which it turned out to be number 79 overall, and a player by the name of John Matuszak. Okay. The Oilers got the number six overall pick, uh, with whom they picked a linebacker called Robert Brazil, and they got defensive tackle Carly Culp. So there was actually t- t- two players for both teams. So the Oilers got uh, Robert Brazil and Carly Culp, and the Chiefs got Henry Marshall and John Matuszak. Now, Everyone basically says the Oilers totally won this because both Brazil and Culp turned out to be Hall of Fame players, okay? So they win, 
that's fine. The Chiefs did not do badly out of this because they got wide receiver Henry Marshall, um, who played for a 12 years for them. He didn't have like gaudy stats, but you know, he had played in 135 games, he had 416 receptions, over 6,500 yards. He did only have 33 touchdowns, uh, but he did have a couple of uh, rushing touchdowns as well, and he returned some kicks. Uh, so he did okay. And then we come to this this guy, John Matujak. Have you ever heard the name John Matujak? Not once. Well, I guarantee you will know who he is. And I, I, I am putting my money... I swear, if you don't know who this guy is, when I finish this, I will give you a pound. One great British pound sterling. All right? That's how confident I am. John Matujak goes over to the... Now, he had one season in Houston. He was a defensive tackle. And um, he goes over to the Chiefs, right? He ends up staying in Kansas City for two years. Um, he has nine sacks. He then goes to Oakland and he plays left defensive end for Oakland from 1976 through to 1981. Gets himself, you know, a, a Super Bowl ring. He's happy. End of the season, playing in 106 games. Uh, and he had 48 and a half sacks. But that is not why you will know John Matusak. Because John Matuszak, in the eighties, after he played with the with the the, uh, the 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 Raiders, the Oakland Raiders, became an actor, and he appeared in a couple of films and television. Uh, nothing you might have no, might know, but he had a major role in a, the nineteen seventy nine movie North Dallas Forty, and he was in the movies Caveman and the Iron, the Ice Pirates, and One Crazy Summer. And you think, well, he's not. He's not really done an awful lot. However, he had one acting thing that everybody knows. And he played the character Sloth from the Goonies. That is John Matuszak, who was in that trade with two Hall of Famers. Now, have you seen the Goonies? Don't say no. You're not yes, of course, of course. Right. Okay. So he plays Sloth. There you go. Hey. <laughs> That's John Matuszak who was involved in this trade. With two Hall of Famers in, in, in Houston. The Houston Oilers at the time. He's one of the guys who was traded. Traded to Kansas City from, from Houston. And he plays Sloth in the Goonies. John Matujak. And I thought, that's a lovely story. That's a lovely story. That's, that's not a fail at all. It's amazing. Because the Kansas City Chiefs might say, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, you got two Hall of Famers. We got a, a, an all-time beloved character. From a Steven Spielberg film from the eighties, although nobody knew he came to the Chiefs because he only played like one season with them, and then bolted to to Oakland, picked up a picked up a Super Bowl ring. In, so, in yeah. a couple of the the scenes, he's wearing sloth. Is wearing a Raiders t shirt. Is he a little Easter egg? Is he? I don't, do you know? I didn't mm-hmm. even know that. And I've seen the film. Mm-hmm. I've seen the film a hundred times. I, easily, and I I I didn't. I just remember the the, the Superman when he pulls. When he when he pulls off the thing and he's got the Superman T-shirt underneath the uh, the braces there, um, yeah. yeah I did, I did, when we I, first meet Sloth, he's wearing an Oakland Raiders T-shirt. Ah, see, I wasn't aware of that. So there you go. See a little Easter egg. Well, I know at least Easter egg. I did, I didn't pick up on that at all. As I say, I've seen the Goonies 
so many times so many times it's ridiculous um and it's it's such a wonderful film i love it. it's one of my it's one of my favorite films of the 80s see for me the 80s had the best films it it just did and the the, the films had the best songs in them they all had great theme songs you know like ghostbusters had the song ghostbusters and beverly hills cop had a great theme song and you know, uh, Back to the Future had a great theme song. And it was like, they're, they're big pop songs. And then you had other songs that just had big theme tunes, you know. And oh, the 80s were the best. Yeah. We all know you love the 80s. I, I love the 80s, even though it was before my time. That's all right. That's all right. You're aware of them and you know loads of music and films from the 80s, which is uh, as it should be. As it should be. So there you are, Jake. Uh, I don't really have anything else. I just thought I'd share that wee tidbit with you. I really, really liked that when I saw it. Um, do you have anything else before we finish up for our listeners and viewers? No, I think we've we've done all those tiny bit of news we covered. We've obviously gone through the whole AFC North. We had all random stats, and then we had a lot of story time. I mean, what's not to love? Exactly. What is not to love? Uh, right, Jake. Thank you very much for coming along this week. Pleasure as always, man. Um, and don't forget you can catch uh, us on Twitter at the WinFL Show. You can also catch myself and Jake. You can of course also catch Dave and Tim on Twitter. And Andrew McCaskill's on there now, so I don't know. If we're going to be getting him back mm-hmm. on more often, as well as Patrick Jackson. Um, he's going to be uh, coming back onto the show. Um, we're all on Twitter, so you can hit us up on there. And once again, don't forget to send us a random stat if you want. Be happy to give you a shout out for that one. And uh, thank you very much for uh, all the people watching on YouTube. And we will see you on next week's edition of the WinFL Show.